Welcome to Campfire Fireside Chats. This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Welcome, campers, to this week's Fireside Chat. Before we get into this, just a few announcements. Big things are happening here at the show, and we would love for you to be a part of them. First up, we have officially launched our Patreon. There you can choose a tier that works best for you and sign up for bonus episodes, behind-the-scenes material, access to the ever-expanding Campfire Classics collection, and an upcoming deep-dive series on the missing 411 phenomenon. You can find all that at patreon.com slash campfire tales of the strange and unsettling. In addition to all the bonus content, you'll also receive exclusive discounts on merch. And speaking of merch, we have officially launched our merch store. T-shirts, hoodies, stickers, mugs, all of it can be found by following the link in the episode description. Now to today's guest. We first connected a few months back through a group he runs on Facebook, and we became fast friends. Kenneth Torres is a priest of the Solomonic Order of St. Michael. He's the West Coast Regional Director for the Warren Legacy Foundation for Paranormal Research, and he's the host of Paranormal King Radio. This week I had the honor of hearing all about his incredible history with the paranormal and about his plans for the future. Be sure to go and follow him. Big things are coming. Let's jump right in. All right, so if you could just start by letting me know, you know, sort of how you got into this. Okay, gotcha. Uh, hey, good evening, everyone. Uh, my name is Ken Torres. Um, I am a regional director for the Warren Legacy Foundation for Paranormal Research. I work with the grandson of Ed Lorraine Warren, Chris McKinnell. Uh, we are carrying the Warren's tradition and legacy on a worldwide basis and uh, trying to help people understand the paranormal, teach and educate the public on what's going on out there. Uh, and most importantly, as I emphasized earlier, just educating the public. Uh, and I got into the paranormal at a really, really young age. Uh, I grew up, uh, as I mentioned in the past, uh, past interviews I've done, I essentially grew up in a broken home. Uh, my mother uh, wasn't around. Um, she was always in and out of the streets. Uh, she was a drug addict. And unfortunately, my grandfather, her father, uh, raped, raped her, pimped her out, gave her HIV. So my grandmother raised me. Um, and so with my grandmother from my mother's side, she was a high priestess in Santeria, which is a Caribbean uh, practice out of Puerto Rico in the Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. And so I remember literally essentially growing up and uh, being at my grandmother's house and just seeing weird, different things. Um, and it's kind of hard to explain because, you know, at that time, even to this point, I'm not sure whether it was just having a psychoactive imagination or just imagining stuff because of the trauma that I've experienced. But I do remember there were times when I would essentially wake up and I'd go into the kitchen and I would see a river of water flowing in the middle of the kitchen. Wow. Uh, clear, clear as daylight. Uh, it's, it'd be something that even to this day, I still question myself. But if anything is certain, I know for a fact that, as I mentioned, my grandmother was very powerful in this Afro-Caribbean practice. And so there were days where I would just wake up and there would be a river in the middle of the living room. 
Uh, I remember days when I would actually wake up with my aunt and we go into one room and the room would be a forest. There would be a forest in the room and we would literally just walk through the forest. We would walk through trees and just as I'm touching my desk right now, I could feel and see these things. And so that's how I got into the paranormal. I knew that there was always something different about me. Uh, my grandmother did mention um, that there was always something special about me, uh, but I never really knew what it was. And once again, I'm just trying to ascertain whether or not it was, you know, my imagination. Uh, but I like to think in my heart that these are things that I did experience. Uh, and even to this day, uh, I haven't spoken to my aunt in many years, but we've had conversations in the past and she's confirmed that she did see the same thing that I, I saw. So, you know, so we did have these experiences in common. Wow. That's incredible. I mean, I've never really heard a story like that. I mean, even associated with Santeria. I mean, that's pretty remarkable. So you would just walk into your kitchen and yeah. you would see a river there. I mean, it's almost like you're seeing a piece of another reality or another plane of existence that you're, you know, that you're witnessing. Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy because I'd walk into the kitchen and the stove would be there, but there is an actual running flowing river of water with fish in it. And I would see this Wow. and, and I'd be like, okay, wow, this is really, really, really interesting. Once again, this was so long ago. Um, mm -hmm. And I like to think that for me, this was a true honest experience. And I, t and I always like to tell the viewers, you know, just take this with a grain of salt. There is that thought process of, you know, there's the idea of having suffered traumatic experiences and in the child, you know, making up his own world just so that he can feel safe and protected. Sure. Uh, but I like to think that, you know, I was being truthful. I am being truthful. This is what I've saw. This is what I've experienced. I remember my grandmother would have people come over and she would perform rituals. People would literally fly from across the east, uh, across from Puerto Rico, Cuba, the Dominican Republic and pay her money to perform these rituals. And there were times when I would just walk into her seances and I'd see things that I shouldn't see. Right. Uh, you know, obviously there was the idea of, you know, the, the sacrifice of the animals, which I, I don't condone and I don't agree with. But if we look upon that, you know, right now, uh, may not be looked greatly upon here in the United States, but, you know, mm -hmm. as we know with other cultures and ultra and other, you know, practices, you know, that's, that's a common thing for them. Yeah. I mean, that's a big part of Caribbean religion, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, so they would do animal sacrifices. I'd see her, you know, uh, do these things to the animals. I'd see, uh, her talking to people and channeling some type of energy or Norisha, as she would call it. Uh, and, uh, she would talk like different languages. Uh, there were times where, you know, just things in the house wouldn't feel right. Um, you know, we'd wake, as I mentioned, we'd wake up and it, it just feel like so dark and it feels so ominous. And there were days that I remember that she would do these rituals and she'd be, she'd be so tired that she'd be asleep for like two or three days in the room. Wow. And so my aunt would have to take care of me. Yeah. Um, and so it seemed like it was just physically draining and exhausting to her. And so absolutely, that's, that's, that's honestly one of the main reasons why, uh, I, I, I'm into the paranormal, um, I do have another story, uh, 
and and the other story that i do have is 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 pretty strong uh and it's pretty powerful and okay. uh, if you'd like me to tell you i would uh i would like to caution the viewers though um that at the end of the story uh it's going to be highly uncomfortable uh and it might make you sick to your stomach okay so so when I left the East Coast, uh, my grandmother from my mother's side, uh, she had passed. And so I ended up living with my grandmother from my father's side. You know, my grandmother, she's still around. She's out in Texas now. And so when I moved with her, she was a devout Christian, Pentecostal. We grew up in church. Uh, you know, we grew up praying, reading the Bible. I grew up uh, as, as, you know, in the youth ministry. I played music. Um, I was a young preacher boy, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But I always knew that there was something different because I had different experiences growing up. Uh, what she was telling me really just kind of didn't make sense to me. Uh, you know, old school Christian believes her. It's either good or bad. That's it. You know, there's no in between. It's either it's the devil or or, or it's God. Right. And so I'm, I'm now past that narrative. Uh, you know, I'm 37 years old. I, I've traveled the world. I, I was in the military. I've seen a lot of different things. And uh, for me to put God in, in a box, uh, you know, that's, that's not something that we should do. Absolutely. So we moved to Jersey. We moved to Patterson, New Jersey. Uh, my dad actually, uh, was coming back into my life. Uh, he had just met my stepmother. We had my, uh, my little baby sister. Uh, she was like four or five at the time. So we moved to this place. Uh, they moved to this place in, in Patterson, New Jersey, uh, by John F. Kennedy high school. Um, in that area, is associated with the Great Falls. Patterson, New Jersey is also known as Silk City. Silk City is where Alexander Hamilton founded the city. So if you know anything about history, obviously we know about Alexander Hamilton and, and the great role he played in uh, in the birthing of this country. Of course. So most of my life I was raised in Patterson, New Jersey. Um, and so we moved to this house. My dad moved to this house and I would visit him every week. And I remember one time, the first sign of the paranormal activity I experienced was one time my dad, my sister and I, we were downstairs and uh, we looked up at the window. Uh, It's a two story building. The first apartment is downstairs and we lived in the second apartment upstairs. We looked up the window and there was a little girl looking out the window. And so I told my dad and my dad was like, yeah, that doesn't seem doesn't seem right. So he went upstairs uh, to go check. I followed behind him. So the way the apartment was is you walk into the main building, you walk up the hallway, the flight of stairs. As soon as you open a door, there is the kitchen, the kitchen and the back porch. And then immediately to the right, uh, there is a living room. And adjacent to the living room, there's a small hallway that leads to the two bedrooms that were upstairs. So I'm following my dad and uh, we are literally uh, going in that hallway and going up the stairs and all of a sudden my other my sister's other tricycle that she had came tumbling down the stairs oh wow and so we're like okay well that's kind of weird because from what i remember when you go up the stairs that last part there is a barrier and then my sister's tricycle was hanging on a hook so it was kind of impossible for that tricycle to come off a hook roll 20 feet around the corner and come (laughs) down the stairs yeah okay cool so that happened. So we, we kind of just like shrugged it off. We, we just didn't even think about it. Mm-hmm. Another time, uh, he went up the stairs and uh, I heard tumbling. And so I was like, Dad, what's up? You know, I, th- I think I was about maybe 10 or 11 years old. And so I heard tumbling. And uh, 
when I went to go check on him, he had fallen down the stairs. He had gone up maybe six or seven stairs, and he said he felt a force hit him so hard that it pushed him back. Wow. And so we were like, okay, well, that that is kind of weird. So we do know that from this property, right, outside, there was a little church right on the corner, right, right next to the corner to the house. It was a small little chapel. And uh, I do remember my dad uh, mentioned that he had spoken to the preacher or the pastor that was there. And he said there was a couple of weird occurrences that's happened in this house. Allegedly, the owners, uh, the Furby the tenants that lived on the first floors, allegedly there were satanic worshipers. And, and we're not talking about Church of Satan. We're talking about actual satanic worshipers. And sure. I, I like to let the audience know that there's a big difference. There's a big difference between being Absolutely. involved with the Church of Satan and actually being a satanic worshiper. Of course. And I won't get into that because I don't like to offend anybody and it's not my place. But just, you know, just uh, do your due diligence. And, you know, when you approach a person that, is of this belief system just please make sure that you respect what their beliefs are big difference yes absolutely so anyway he spoke to this pastor uh, and the pastor was like yeah some stuff has happened allegedly these people were satanic worshipers cool they're no longer there so a few days goes by maybe a few weeks and and, and when you know we, we don't experience anything uh, everything seems seems to be normal until one day we were watching uh, your cats one day we were watching uh, television in the living room. So we're sitting here where I'm at right now. And the TV is right there by the wall. And then outside on the left, that's where the kitchen is at. So we were watching Stephen King's It, the original one with, uh, with Mr. Tim Curry. We we're watching it. Sure. And uh, we see my little sister walk across the kitchen. And we're like, hey, sis, you need to come back here. And then she goes, hey, I'm right here. The whole time she was sitting right in front of us. Oh, God. She was sitting right on the floor in front of us. So when my dad went, uh, he went to go check the kitchen. Uh, There was a break. Uh, There's like a shatter, like a a glass shattering. So when he went, uh, there was a washing machine right by the entrance on, on the inside of the door. There literally was a white candle of the Virgin Mary with the crucifix uh, inside of it, upside down, broken and shattered. Wow. So so that's when my dad was like, you know what? Uh, we need to start praying and all that. Uh, comes here comes uh, another you know another story that's 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 heartbreaking. So we had a dog. Uh, we had a, a Japanese Akita. His name was Zuki. He was the bestest boy ever, the goodest boy ever, and he was always happy. He was always playing, and he was always he was great. But one day uh, we come to the apartment and we notice that the back balcony door going downstairs to the backyard was was open. And the dog was missing. Okay. However, the dog was missing. But when we went to go downstairs to the backyard, everything was still bolted. So we were trying to figure out how the dog got out. Right. Anyway, uh, about a week or two goes by. We don't find a dog. We go to the animal shelter. We... We, you know, we just stopped looking for him. Uh, one day, my dad and I were going to go downstairs uh, and we're going to do a barbecue. Um, and caution to viewers, when we go down there, we finally saw our dog, Zuki. Uh, but he was crucified to the wall and he was gutted open. Oh, God. His intestines were out. What? So that's when we knew we had a problem. Yeah, I would say so. But during that time, though... My little sister would say that there was a little girl that would come out from under the bed at night and would just curse at her. It was a girl in a purple dress. 
and she couldn't really see her face. Okay. Uh, and she would tell her to do things. She would say, you need to go ahead and you need to hurt your family. You need to kill your family. My sister was like five years old at the time. Wow. Um, so this, uh, so this, this happened for, for about a month, about a month. And so finally, um, my little sister woke up. Uh, my dad was watching TV in the room. My little sister came out of the room and in her hand, she had a knife. So she had a kitchen knife and my dad was like, what are you doing? So, you know, they held her down and she woke up, she snapped out of it. She didn't know what was going on. She said that the girl under the bed said, I needed to kill you. Oh my God. Yeah. And, and, and so what ended up happening up, what ended up happening after that is, uh, we ended up getting a priest, uh, to bless the house. Uh, we had my grandmother come in, you know, we prayed for the house and, um, as we prayed for the house, there was a big demonic or some type of scream, like like a, like a cleansing, like a big scream, big cleansing. Uh, and the house felt lighter. Uh, and so they decided after that that they were going to move to another location. So a few weeks go by. Um, but they noticed, though, up, going up the stairs on their bedroom, that uh, there was a closet. And so the closet they were using, but they forgot that there was a little door there. So the little door led to like a little part beside, uh, behind the other part of the attic. Right. And so there was a little box there. And so they go inside and they get this box. And from what my dad alleges and uh, what he told me uh, is that there were pictures of uh, naked kids uh, and there were dirty underwear. Oh, God. So it seemed that the people who lived there before us were child molesters and pedophiles. Anyway, my dad told me that uh, they contacted the local police department. The local police department went ahead, and uh, I guess that was enough for them to uh, to get evidence to arrest them because they were suspected of this type of behavior. Okay. And so, anyway, that box was, um, yeah, that box had naked children inside of it, dirty underwear, um, uh, used condoms, um, and you know, it was very, very heartbreaking. So they definitely moved out, and um, so. So how long and, did you guys was, live there, all told? Uh, I would say maybe about six months. Oh, okay. Six months. Okay. Six months a year, the most. Uh, this this was so long ago right. that I don't remember because I didn't live with my dad. Uh, I lived uh, with my grandmother, but um, my dad would pick okay, me up. Okay, and the they weekends. lived there. They lived there, yeah. And uh, this was on the other all side right. of the town. On the other side of town, literally, I was a twenty minute walk away. Oh, okay. And so the idea was, well, the thought was, is that the people who lived downstairs who performed these satanic occult rituals opened something up. I see. And so by them opening something up, this led to some really heinous, vile activity up on the second floor. Yeah. It sounds like it. Up until this day, I don't know if they knew each other, if they were related, but that's when I knew that, uh, the paranormal was something that was real. It was something tangible. It was something that I can see that I can smell, that I can hear. Right. Uh, that was physical for me because I saw the the attachments. I saw the attacks. I saw how it broke down the family. I I, I experienced a life of I experienced a life of hauntings. Yeah. Um, and this was real. And 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 I and I knew this was real. And as time progressed, um, you know, I got older. I, I got involved with magic. You know, obviously, like when you're 14, 15 years old, I started rebelling. Um, started messing around with wicca and witchcraft obviously because i saw the craft you know and <laughs> I, I wanted to be one yeah, of those cool dudes, some of those cool dudes and uh uh my best friends and i we would go down to the patterson great falls uh 
and it was like a little it's a little waterfalls we'd go to the back part and you know we'd go down there and we practice our little martial arts and our ninja moves and then we'd have uh gerald gardner's book of uh you know the craft and, oh yeah you know we'd start doing like cool things and we're like cool and then you know it was great. You know, I, I wasn't the best looking kid growing up. I had the braces and I had the glasses, but I was like, cool, you know, um, stuff started happening. I started experiencing like, oh, cool. All of a sudden I have five bucks in my backpack. I can buy like, you know, chips and juice. And, you know, uh, all of a sudden there's 20 bucks there and I go, oh, okay. So this stuff is working. Um, yeah. Uh, but there came a point where uh, I had a good friend of mine. His name was Jason. Uh, you know, we were, we were like doing this stuff heavily, uh, you know, and, uh, I think what ended up happening was is that we did something wrong and uh, my best friend Jason he ended up getting hit by a car and he died wow um, and so that's when I stopped uh, the whole magic thing because I was like well you know we're doing all these things I already know that you know there's the, the, the law of three um, sure so for us though you know it didn't seem like it was anything bad but and I'm sure that that wasn't, it. I'm sure that had nothing to do with it. But at that time, it was something I didn't know and I didn't fully understand and comprehend. So I stopped. It just um, shook you. It just shook me. It just shook me. It's just like, okay, well, what do I do? I go and, you know, I, I, I went back to church and I was like, you know, forgive me, Lord, this and blah, blah, blah. And, and, uh, you know, I, I maintained with the Christianity, but, uh, there was just so, there was just something, there was just something that I knew that, 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 uh, oh my gosh, it was different. And, uh, you know, I'm a Christian, you know, I, I, you know, I'm a priest with a Solomonic order of St. Michael, the archangel. Uh, I'm also working on my chaplaincy uh, degree um, in the chaplain corps. And so I do have a strong Christian faith base and religion, but uh, I do know that there are other belief systems out there. Uh, and so I just want to learn more, you know, and sure. that's why it's important for us, you know, at the, at the Warren Legacy Foundation for Paranormal Research, we are a unilateral uh, paranormal organization. Um, we work with people with different religious backgrounds, different belief systems. And, you know, and that's how we come together to try to help people understand, uh, you know, the issues that they're going through, the, 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 the paranormal phenomena, so to speak. Right. Um, so that's why I think it's very important to have a just diverse uh, background and, and diverse culture of different investigators and researchers. Uh, we have two psychologists on our team. Uh, we have a doctor. Uh, and it's great to have them on board because, you know, modern medicine is a, is a great thing. Um, and w there are a lot of investigators out there, you know, that will jump to the conclusion and say, well, no, it's, it's demonic or it's a haunting. Right. Well, you know, we're, we're not taking into account, uh, we're not taking into account the, the actual, uh, the psychological side of things. You know, there is a thought process that people who go through traumatic events like myself, they experience these things and there's the the possibility of self-manifestation. Yeah. Of self-manifestation, high feelings, high emotions uh, can make it seem like you're experiencing some type of uh, paranormal activity when in reality it's not. It's basically hallucinations. Yeah. Then you have the people that, you know, then you have people that honestly, they have these unfound psychic abilities. They have these spiritual gifts, so to speak. Uh, and they need help understanding. And so once they somehow unlock this unintentionally, they start getting attacked, so to speak, and, and flooded with different emotions. And that's when you have these different, you know, entities and spirits trying to talk to them. And so a lot of people would associate that and say, oh, that's negative energy. That's not necessarily true. Um, and and for, from my experience, it's, it's, it, it hasn't been true. What we've experienced is that there are people out there that have these beautiful abilities and they're undeveloped 
And so at the foundation, we try to help them understand it. That's why we have the Warren Legacy Psychic Support Group in English and in Spanish. And we have people on there that just, it's a community of people that talk to one another each day and try to help each other understand what's going on. But before we ascertain that, we want to make sure that people are of sound mind. Right. Uh, we want to make sure that the clients that we're going to help out, you know, they get a full physical and mental evaluation. And we want to make sure that they're healthy. Um, you know, there is a thought, pro- there is the idea that, well, you know, uh, being ill is a, is a mentally ill is a, is a spiritual attachment. I mean, one can say that. I mean, depending, you know, where you fit, where you fit in, 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 in the spectrum. Right. Uh, but, you know, that's for safety reasons. That's for safety reasons. We want to make sure that you're okay. Uh, we want to make sure that um, if if you are experiencing this activity, uh, that you're strong enough physically and emotionally so we can help you understand it. If not, that's when our psychologists and our doctors are like, hey, you know what? Let's let's try a different approach. Approach. Let's not do this paranormal thing. Let's make it about the person, the actual physical well and mental being of the individual. Right. A lot of uh, a lot of a lot of what I've seen is, you know, and 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 I don't mean to to be rude. There are a lot of people out there that have great intentions. They have wonderful intentions. A lot of different teams out there. They have they're wonderful people, and they really genuinely try to help people. But sometimes, more often than not, they give out really bad information, and so that bad information is going to really hurt the person. It's going to hurt the client, and it's going to hurt the person that's trying to develop that gift. And so that's what we try to do. We try to minimize that. We try to minimize that damage. Right. Of course. What is, what is some of that commonly heard incorrect information? Well, I mean, if you could just debunk a couple of those. Well, I mean, so from what I, from what I've experienced uh, from the cases that uh, I've, I've had so far, I mean, there is the idea that, okay, well, the, the poltergeist activity. So the poltergeist activity is always negative. Um, and we know that poltergeist is a German word for, for noisy. Sure. Uh, but what we've experienced is at least with poltergeist activity, it's not poltergeist activity. Uh, it's the person that has a supercharged electric brain wave activity. Uh, and they have no idea how they've gotten that, uh, you know, how they've gotten that intense into it. And they're doing something that's called self-manifestation. And so by us helping them understand that they're self, they're doing self-manifestation, uh, that helps alleviate the tension with them, uh, especially, you know, with this poltergeist activity. And so we've seen that helping people understand uh, what their abilities are, once they understand these things and they're not afraid of it, all of a sudden this activity stops. Um, the, other now, no- the other notion, now, yeah, go ahead. Now, would you say that this accounts for like 100% of poltergeist activity or are there? No, no. I would say if okay. anything, it's probably maybe 30 to 40%. Okay. There is that other percentage that's unexplained. Uh, there is that percentage that's unexplained. People have a good psychological background. They're, you know, they're good physically and mentally. Uh, you know, they check out clean. Uh, they check out clear. And uh, that's when we go through the motions of doing a scientific, what you call debunk, you know, right. uh, we look at the history of the property and we try to help people understand what, what's going on. And so it's the, the part that we can't explain. That's what makes it mostly the paranormal. But generally speaking, at least 30, 40 percent, the poltergeist activity uh, is self-manifestation. Well, that makes sense. And, and you know, and 
And there's other situations too. A lot of ne- a lot of another false narrative out there is that, well, you have this activity, and then all of a sudden you have people that say, "Oh, it's a demonic entity. Mm-hmm. It's a demonic entity. It's a demon. It's a demon. It's a demon." Of course. Well, the problem is when you when you once you start spewing that out, what ends up happening now is you don't realize that that person's already under a lot of stress physically and mentally they're under a lot of psychological stress of course and so what you've done now is you've added another layer of stress to them and so now they think that this is demonic and so what's going to end up happening is now they're going to think it's demonic and so what happens with the power of intention so with the power of intention intention is everything so now the person thinks it's demonic and they're going to start creating this demonic mindset right okay now it's going to come to knocking of the three now it's going to come to to the smells it's going to come to different things when it can just be just random noises around the house uh, or just in general it's not demonic at all and and, and that's that's the biggest notion um you have a lot of people that uh you know they have these tv shows and that's great just because you have a tv show doesn't make you an expert um what it is it makes you a truth seeker it makes you a, a finder but what I don't like is that everyone jumps to the conclusion of of it being demonic. Uh, just for example, like demonic possession. Demonic possession uh, is rare. It, it is really, really rare. Sure. Um, and uh, you know, I grew up in spiritual deliverance. Uh, me being part of the order, I'm an exorcist in training. Uh, I've helped out in the, in a demonic possession case um, a few a uh, few months ago uh, as a young girl in uh, the United Kingdom, and so. We were really, 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 really careful on calling it demonic possession. Uh, you know, we had teams go out there. We had the local diocese go out and check uh, the place out. Uh, oh, they did an investigation. Uh, they just did uh, what's called a demonic profiling, and so they were looking for different things. Uh, turns out the girl was talking in different languages. Um, she understood things. She knew things that she wasn't supposed to know about investigators. And so we performed an exorcism on her. Uh, we had a team there. We helped virtually, but we had physical people there as well. Then we had laymen, lay clergy, and we had uh, somebody of the cloth. Um, and uh, that was a rare case of, of, of possession. It hardly ever happens. But um, this one was, was a true case because you have a young girl sitting down. She's 100 pounds. Uh, and she's got a she's got a brother that's a Viking, two hundred and eighty pounds, six foot five, Nordic dude. She literally tosses him across the room. Wow! You know I mean, we're seeing this on camera. He literally flies twenty, thirty feet across the room. My God! And we're like, there's no way that was staged. Um, and then that's when we had the our Zoom was going on and off. Um, she, I was talking to her in Spanish, and she was responding in Spanish. She doesn't speak Spanish, right? But hey, you know, it's it's um, you know, she was in another country. It's not it's not uncommon for other people in other countries to learn different languages. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was the, that was a rare case of demonic possession. So I guess what I'm trying to get at is uh, one of the narratives, the false narratives that we're trying to push out there is that demonic possession isn't always always the case. Um, and um, going inside a person's house and saying that it's a demon come on man you know you got to be better than that you know you, <laughs> yeah. you have all these people that you know my biggest thing is look everybody everybody wants to be a paranormal investigator and that's cool you know um my sentiment and my feeling is being a paranormal investigator or researcher uh it, it's a calling for us at the foundation especially for me it's a calling uh it's something that you have to do with love you have to do with compassion uh and you have to understand what you're doing 
uh, most importantly, when it comes to the residential cases. Um, I have the thought process and we have the same uh, process at the foundation. If we're going to go to a place, it's to help somebody out. We're going to go to help the living and the deceased. So if we're going to go to location, we're going to make sure that we help the client. And we also want to make sure that we want to help the deceased. Sure. Uh, we're not going to go stir stuff up. We're, we don't want to stir stuff up. We're not going to go stir stuff up, capture the evidence, and then just leave. And that's it. Well, yeah. that was pointless. Um, that's why I have a big problem with the conjuring house. Um, Everybody wants to go to the Conjuring House. Everybody's on YouTube. Everybody's a, a clickbait paranormal investigator. Uh, everybody's at the Conjuring House. Uh, we we both know that the the Warrens went out there and and they helped out in the case and they didn't go so well. Right. Um, and we know that, and that's okay because not everything is always going to go our way. And a lot of times these things happen. Uh, the clients are not going to like the results. Yeah, that, of course. You know that that they're going to get. But I do have a problem with researchers not, not even researchers because I, I don't call them researchers I, these clickbait investigators they go and the conjuring house the conjuring house the conjuring house oh yeah it's a demon oh it's a demon so what you've done in this time and people don't realize that what you've done is now a home that was possibly cleared that was possibly cleared and delivered of these negative activities has now come under attack again because everybody's opening portals everyone's messing with the ouija board everyone's calling out to the demons everyone's doing seances you know and that's ridiculous sure that's ridiculous um i don't have a problem with the ouija board what i what i what i do have a problem is the way people don't know how to use them um it is a tool uh I'm not saying that the Ouija board is bad. From my experiences, from what I've seen, uh, a lot of uh, our cases come from inexperienced Ouija board users wanting to communicate with something. Uh, instead of having uh, a direct communication with whatever they want, uh, you know, it's pretty much an open communication. And you don't know what you're getting yeah. uh, on the other side of that door. So that's why I always tell people and I caution people, hey, if you're going to use the Ouija board, the witch board, whatever it is, hey, you know what? Just make sure you use it wisely. Uh but if you don't know what you're doing, don't use it at all. Yeah, don't you know, dabble. just because you don't believe in a devil doesn't mean he doesn't exist. And 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 that's my next thing too. Uh, you know, we all have different religious beliefs, we all have different backgrounds. But if it's one thing that's certain, there is good and there is evil. Um, so whatever may be a demon to you may be a jinn to somebody else. Yeah, definitely. And um, you know, with the foundation, we like to educate people. Um, you know, one of the things that we tell uh, people when we teach classes is. From a Western side, you know, we try to do things on a Christian side predominantly here in America, right? But you can't go to a Hindu or a Middle Eastern home and try to perform a Christian blessing <laughs> on sure. a person who doesn't believe in that because they don't believe in that. It's it's identified by region. So they believe in what they believe in by region. So when you try coming in and you're and you're doing this you know, this religious provocation from a religious standpoint that it's not accepted or understood by another person or even that entity, they're going to be like, who are you talking about? You know, you're just going to agitate things. Right. And so that's why it's important to, to understand your client, right? It's important to understand what their beliefs are, uh, what their background is, and, and, and just make sure that you do the very best you can to assist them. Um, you know, obviously, you know, what our cases that we've got going on, we've got a couple of cases that are going on that are, that, that, are, 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 are pending, you know, they, they're ongoing and ongoing. Um, I've got a case, uh, in the East coast, uh, a lady, uh, she lost her husband and her husband is, uh, his, he hasn't crossed over. Unfortunately though, uh, he died unexpectedly, but, uh, it wasn't a great relationship. Uh, there was a lot of physical and mental abuse. 
I see. And so the client, and so the client, uh, you know, hasn't forgiven yet. So our our thought process, our idea is, you know, what we're thinking is the reason why she's um, receiving this activity is because, you know, he is still, you know, a, a bad spirit, so to speak. And uh, he doesn't want to let her go because he either doesn't want to cross over or he's potentially waiting for forgiveness uh, because, you know, how he lived his life. Um, right. And so, so they essentially just need some couples therapy. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, that's what they need. You know, they need to sit down and, you know, they need to talk about it and all that. But, you know, how do you, how do you talk with the dead? Not the Ouija board. So right. let's, not go, let's not go there. <laughs> but, you know, and, and it's one of those things where, I mean, uh, we have different cases that, that, uh, that vary. Um, I'm uh, specifically dealing with the case uh, in correlation between ufo alien abduction and the paranormal and uh i've mentioned that before in uh in 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 one of uh, the groups that you're part of and uh that's the idea right Mm -hmm. the idea is that when a person is abducted by an alien um, it opens up some type of psychic gateway and you know so this client uh we've been dealing uh with this issue for a little bit over a year and uh we're hoping to come. We're hoping it comes to resolution. I mean, we we've had the the psychological uh, side tested. We've had the physical side tested. Uh, the doctors say that you know this client is clear. There are no issues. Uh, obviously, uh, the only issue is that she's suffered a traumatic event. Uh, they believe that she believes that she's experienced this, and so that's what we do too. We believe that she believes she's experienced this. Sure. And we're not going to. We're not going to go ahead and. You know, disregard her feelings and her emotions. And so what we're doing is we're working uh, with her and we're making sure that, you know, uh, she takes time for herself. Uh, you know, she needs to do certain things. But most importantly, we're hoping that we can come to a resolution uh, with this. Um, you know, once again, it's, it's one of those things where, hey, you know, uh, because of the abduction, uh, they are now experiencing a lot of psychic activity. They're um, getting a lot of communication with a lot of different entities. And okay. so we're trying to help them understand like, you know, how to turn it off. Uh, but, you know, and we'll leave it at that. Cause I can't go into any much more detail. <laughs> no, I I'd, I'd really love to have you back on at a later date and we could really dig into the subject of, yeah. you know, that connection between extraterrestrial encounters and opening up the sensitivity, yeah, no. you know, afterward, Cause it's a huge subject and we could do a half hour easy on that. Yeah. I mean, I think so. I mean, I think that'd be a great thing. I mean, there is the idea of people being star seeds. Uh, and then mm-hmm. there's the idea of is, uh, the, was it the RN negative, uh, blood type or something like that? Yeah. Um, and, um, so, I mean, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, it's very interesting. And, and that's one subject that, uh, you know, I believe in, uh, I believe in UFOs. I believe in aliens. Um, Growing up uh, in New Jersey, New York, and visiting Puerto Rico, I've seen, uh, you know, UFO. I can't tell you whether or not they're alien, but I've seen stuff that, you know, has not been able to be identified. Right. So I believe this stuff exists. I believe that we are just one speck of dust in, in, this, in this universe, in this galaxy. And so to think that we are the only beings in this universe, in this galaxy, I think... Uh, you know, you're doing yourself an injustice by just thinking that. Absolutely. Um, I think there's a reason why we can't go into other galaxies. I think that there is some type of supernatural force holding us back. Now, that's um, interesting. I think if anything, uh, Jordan, we're the monsters. 
and uh, yeah they're protecting themselves from us yeah could so, be yeah yeah so i mean <laughs> i mean i think that makes more sense than i'd like it to <laughs> yeah yeah uh there was an exhibit in the bronx zoo i think in 1978 uh and it was uh, it was uh titled the most dangerous creature on the planet and so when you go and you look into this mirror it's yourself yeah that speaks volumes that speaks volumes yeah i mean you know it's, it's 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 weird to say that but i mean you know there's there's so many things that in this world that are unexplainable uh, and i think once we start being once we stop being selfish ourselves and learn to understand and respect other beings other cultures other other thought processes other ideas i think then we will have the opportunity to see a much more better world much more better universe and uh, hey maybe the aliens might come visit us <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, I I think that's a great note to end on, you know? Yeah. Yeah, just a nice positive yeah. note. You mm-hmm. know, please, please come back. Come back and, and be on the show again. This is, it's been fantastic, really. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it's an honor for uh, for me to be on your show. Thank you so much. Uh, like I said, I'm not used to this type of stuff, um, you know, and it's always kind of hard to gauge, you know, like uh, the response or whatever. Uh, sure. Basically, uh, you're you're hard to read. I, I spent some time in counterterrorism and, and working for the government, and I, and I read people for a living. And uh, I'm getting uh, it's kind of hard to read you. But now that I see that you're laughing, I, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very focused. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Like I, I can see that. That's good. Yeah. I don't give a whole lot away with facial expressions. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's good, though. I mean, and that's always a good thing, too, because uh, even me, like, being on your show, I'm like, cool, all right, cool, you know, kind of gauging where we're at. And it's cool. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to, like, tell my story a little bit and, and about what we do. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week. And it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. And if you want more, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash campfire tales of the strange and unsettling. It's there you will find bonus content behind the scenes. We're just keeping up on our day to day and maybe some swag along the way. It is our way to show thanks for your support and do everything we can to provide you with as much content as possible. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash campfire tales of the strange and unsettling. With that said, we want to get to know each and every one of you. So please come and check us out on all the socials at campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook at campfire T-O-T-S-A-U on Twitter. And you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And lastly, we do have our merch store. You can find the link available on all of our social media or via our link tree. Show your support. Buy a shirt. Buy a sticker. Buy a blanket. Buy a pillow. Anything that you want to rep Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. And that's it. Until next time, I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers... Stay weird and trust in the unknown.